really wasn't kidding about going Uh-oh. It's that time, friends. Yes, that's right. Time for a brand new episode of your favorite podcast. I said it. Uh, welcome, gang, to a new episode of Terribly Funny. It's me, your host, Steve Bazalone. How are you, gang? How's that week going? The elliptical fucking sucks, right? Any hoozle. Um, let's get down to brass tacks here. This, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them in their lives. And today we have a, a great guest. He's a, he's like a like a like a real adult, like a real man who's done real shit. Uh, it's a, a friend of mine, Mr. Doug Robinson. I've had the pleasure of working with and for Doug for a very long time on several shows, both The Goldbergs and Breaking In. Um, what can I tell you about Doug? He, um, God, he helped start Endeavor. Uh, he uh, worked, he was the head of Happy Madison Television for 20 years before uh, going out on his own. He's produced all sorts of shows. Uh, he currently will have four on the air next year uh, for Life, brand new show coming out. He's also got Goldberg, The Goldbergs and Schooled, and my uh, good buddy, friend of the pod, Dan Levy's new show, Indebted. Uh, but he's just a man with crazy stories. Um, at one point, several years ago, I went, I dressed up as Woody Harrelson from White Man Can't Jump for Halloween, because, you know, why not? Billy Hoyle, let's bring it back. Uh, and he saw me, and he's like, oh yeah, I, uh, I put snipes in that movie. And he's got stories like that. He was an agent, became a producer, he rep- repped like Farley and Sandler, and he's got amazing stories. And today, he's just going to talk about uh, mindfulness, and getting older, and finding time for yourself, and meditating, and um, yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very uh, thoughtful conversation with Mr. Doug Robinson. We're going to get to that in just one second. But before we do, it's time for this part. Hey, friends, do you like this podcast? If you do, subscribe. Go to uh, our SoundCloud. Go to iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Also, check us out on the social media. It's terribly underscore funny on Twitter. Give us some likes. Give us a follow. Also, check us out on Instagram. You can see pictures of me and all my very attractive guests. It's terribly funny podcast on Instagram. And if you want to drop me a line on the on the email and say, hey man, uh, cool job, or whatever you want to say, you know, it's your life. I'll respond to anything. So please, drop me a line, terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. Love to hear from you. There, that's done. Now, let's get to a brand new episode of What You Came Here For. Uh, Doug Robinson on Terribly Funny. Theme music, please. You know, I, I mean, the answer to that is there have been moments but never anything, I, I mean, I think part of it is also my approach to things, which is I'm a really big believer that you just keep moving forward, right? no matter what obstacle comes in your way. So if I, I probably end up minimizing a lot of the things that would be considered obstacles, you know, mm-hmm. there are the things that happen, you know, when two years ago when my mother had Alzheimer's and yeah. that's not a great moment in time, but then you look back in the totality of it and you say, okay, so... 80 years old, she passed away, but you know, 77 of those years were pretty good. Sure. So that tends to be the context in which I choose to look at things. Right. Um, so when you look at obstacles, that's an obstacle. That's, but it's also unfortunately just the part of life that we all are going to have to deal sure. with as our, as our parents get older, uh, and that we're going to have to deal with eventually for ourselves. So. I kind of look at this whole thing as one big ride, right? Uh, and business as well. You know, there are always going to be obstacles in business. Um, when I left CAA to go to Endeavor, and there were you know eight of us or however many of us there were, and it was great, it was fun, and we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you know what, you have partners who have a vision that you could never imagine, that, and you know, as witnessed by the fact that they own the UFC now. 
which to me sure. was unimaginable when I was there, when it was 12 of us and we were just in the business of selling writers and actors and directors. And then you realize that people had a vision that I did not have, wasn't why I got into this business. They've done a tremendous job and built an incredible company. Uh, I think they probably have had to exceed all of their expectations right. probably, or well, maybe not Ari because that's just the way he thinks. Uh, and it's really incredible to look at, but it's not why I did this. I mm -hmm. did this because I like people and I like telling their stories and I like representing people. And now as a producer, I like telling their stories. So that's an obstacle, which is you're at a crossroads in your life. I was an agent for 12 years. What do you do? Uh, what, what's next? This isn't, you know, you're not digging them and they're not digging you. So what do you do? And, you know, goes back to you move forward. I always got into this business not to be an agent. I got into this business because I like working with creative people and I love the product. Was um, that your first stop? What was Did you work at an agency right out of Syracuse? Two weeks after college, I started the at CAA. Wow. Uh, so that becomes a crossroads, but in that crossroads, there's opportunity. And that opportunity then comes to where I'm sitting now, which is four shows on the air right. and working with people that I like and being on the Sony lot from when this deal is done for 19 years and just an overall deal at one place, which, yeah. so I, I never look back and go, what were the big obstacles? I sort of look at the obstacles as for the most part, trying to make them opportunities. Right. You seem that you have like a bit of the, uh, like the shark mentality, just like keep forward motion because you have it's stopping, to. you're going to sink and float. Which is the only way I do it. You know, it's funny. You see a lot of kids now taking a gap year. Yeah. Um, as my son becomes a, a next year going to be a senior and a lot of people that we know now their kids are off to college right uh, and a lot of people are taking that year either before college or after college to go do that and I wish I would have done that sitting where I sit now because I don't know how to get off the treadmill like, yeah like the once I, I and I kind of envy people that have the either courage or the audacity or the um, ability to do that yeah I, I don't have that ability to do that i don't i wouldn't know how to step off the treadmill because yeah. i'd be afraid no one would ever let me back on i had kind of i didn't understand like as soon as like uh dan for example like emerson had this this college uh college they had a castle in holland mm -hmm. and that was like what well, big reason why i went there is like i don't fucking live in holland mm -hmm. and go all throughout europe and i like traveled a bunch throughout college and that was like a thing that he always regrets because he was just like i just need to go up at the improv right. three times a week um, as soon as I got out here, like I took no time, like, cause I was similarly minded. Like I, I can't, I don't, I can't just dick around. Right. Like something's going to happen without me. I need to be here all the time so I can do kids parties yeah. and wait for auditions and shit like that. But it was the worst. I, it's the terrible mentality, but it's like at 22, that's what you, that's once I stepped off, look, I can't say that I, I did this in my speech, which was. Um, I talked about the fact that Newhouse is a really good communication school, and I didn't get into Newhouse out of high school. You needed a 375 and an A and a B in a Newhouse course in order to get in. Mm -hmm. And I got a 375 and an A and a B, and that was the last time I ever got a 375 because right. I accomplished my goal, and then I thought I was going to have fun. Right. The day I got out of college, it was like a, a, something switched, a, like a, a light just flipped, and it was just time to, to go to work. Right. And I wouldn't know how to stop. Well, here's the thing that I've experienced in the past where like I do like the forward, forward momentum, always mm -hmm. good. Like yeah. I've looked at it like oftentimes like, um, like for example, like with your mom, like I just like distracted myself, kept moving forward with work mm -hmm. or with just personal shit. If it was mm -hmm. dating, whatever, like I thought of it as like a, like a snowball mm -hmm. and like you kick it down the road, it's still there, but like it's less and less over time. Yeah. So, but I found that sometimes like I feel okay now, but then if there's any stillness, that's when 
things would catch up to me. Like, do you ever get burned by like the emotional thing that you're like kind of compartmentalizing and moving forward? This is going to ever rear its head. This is going to sound sort of um, more new agey than I've ever been. Sure. But I'm always open to anything new. Anything mm -hmm. I haven't tried is something I'm willing to try, I want to try. So for the last year and a half, my wife is a big meditator and has been for right. years. And Alison Greenspan, who I work with, is a big meditator. And they've both been pounding on me to meditate. Yeah. And I've always sort of resisted running is my meditation, exercise is sure. my meditation. That's my time for to be reflective, to be introspective. That's where it's just an hour a day for me. Yeah. And then I went, you know what, too many people are telling me this and there's too much going on. And let me try it. And I will say that it's been, I don't want to say a game changer, but it's been a period of time a day where if, even if it's only five to 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes at the most, that has allowed me to sort of just put the brakes on everything yeah. because there's so much going on between work and kids and family that there really isn't any quiet time in my head. So I never had that time that you're talking about to be reflective in right. any way. I sort of just did what I said before, which is just keep moving Kept forward. marching on, yeah. Uh, and not that I didn't pay attention to things because I'm aware of them, but probably not processing them in a way that I is the healthiest way. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, I think I always do the same, the similar thing where like whenever I'm sad, that's when I'm in my best shape because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's when I go on all the runs. That's when right. like I just fill the of void. Course. Like I'm going to work out more. I also do like probably drink too much and don't sleep enough. Yeah, so but, I don't do, I, I don't yeah. sleep enough, but I don't drink. I never, I never really like drinking and I never really love drugs. So, uh, well, you know, uh, I'll get you into them at some point. <laughs> um, but no, but like, I feel like that's, I, whenever I'm sad, I get into that. Right. Like, I'm in the best shape. Right. But when I started, I just do it occasionally meditating, but the first time I went really was like last fall and just like sitting in stillness for like 40 minutes. Yeah. Like at one point I just like realized like, oh, my face is like soaked with tears and like just because it was quiet because yeah. we never have that. Like no, even when is, I lay down is, to sleep, no that's when my head's turning the most. Yeah, but well, do you remember your dreams? Not that often, honestly. Me neither. Isn't that, I used to remember them all the time. Yeah. Unless I really make a conscious effort, like there's a period of time where I really wanted to remember them. So every night before I went to bed, I would write, remember your dreams. Right. And then if I really, really focus on that, then I'll get in a headspace where I can remember them. Really? But I don't, for the most part, I almost never remember my dreams. Yeah. And those were always like so fun and weird and whimsical, but I don't, that just doesn't, I don't no. have that shit anymore. Me neither. Is that just because like you're thinking too much in your sleep or you're not sleeping in long enough periods? Because I get the same shit. Um, look, I've never needed a lot of sleep and I still don't sleep a lot. Ugh, uh, uh, so I don't know. And I just haven't made it a priority. I mean, there are times where I, I really do want to focus it if I'm journaling or writing mm -hmm. things down or whatever. The only time I do remember things, which is, and it, it happened a lot in the last two months when you're in post and particularly with music. Sure. And there's that one song that you're just playing constantly. Right. That is always a running loop in my dreams really? at that point in time. Oh, that's maddening. Yeah, no, it, it, that's it, awful. And it doesn't stop. I mean, literally, like from the Goldbergs pilot, we had that um, Ario Speedwagon song on the pilot. Sure. Uh, or it was either that or it was that and the Jay Giles band. And literally everywhere I went, those songs were with me. Like I just right. it, it couldn't get them out of my head. That's just and the that, soundtrack to that period. Little, and that is a little maddening. You know what uh, the fucked up thing, I think, or just a, a bummer for me is... 90% of the dreams that I remember anymore are me looking for a bathroom. 
because that's the thing that wakes me up. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. that's like, the only dreams I remember are just like me, like being like, oh, that fucking, that bathroom's out of order. Someone's in that one. It's like always, yeah. that's what my dreams are now, which is a bummer. I used to have like, when Although I was younger. I will say this, our, our master bathroom is, is under construction right now. We flooded, our house flooded. And so the only other bathroom is either in my kid's room, which I'm not going to wake them up in the middle of the night or downstairs. And I don't uh -huh. feel like walking downstairs sure. in the middle of the night. I will say, I I'm not going right now. Really? No. And for whatever reason, it's like I'm just telling myself you're not going to go to the bathroom. Oh, so you're like hugely mind over matter. Uh, and I just don't do it. So, which is crazy because I, before that, I was like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. Then yeah. I'll turn on Sports Center and I'll fall back asleep. Yeah. Uh, and no, right now, not happening. That's interesting that you just got into meditation recently because it feels like all the things you're talking about, like, just manifesting like I tell myself I'm not going to use the bathroom or like I tell myself to remember but, dreams and then I somehow manifest but, that. But meditation is not about that. It's about emptying yourself of all of that. Yeah. It's, but it it's is about, like it's gaining. It's, a, it's about, you know, freeing your mind from right. all of that stuff for as much as you can try to, you know, not have thoughts and just focusing on your breath. Not that I'm any expert in meditation. But what I do get is a daily meditation emailed to me, mm -hmm. and then I'll do whatever meditation is emailed to me. And like I said, sometimes it's five minutes. This morning was 11 minutes. Right. Um, but it's just a great way to, for me to start my day in a way that I never did it before. And I could, if somebody said, what's the benefit of it? I couldn't really even verbalize it other than I look forward to it. Yeah. There was at one point I, when I started doing it, I was talking to my therapist, like, and I said, like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. And he's like, oh. There's no way to do it wrong. Well, that's what, and that was that, just like, free, like oh, right. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like worried it, about that in the same way I am with everything else in life. Like, am I doing this the best I can be? Well, am I doing it. this right? Yeah. Am I winning? I, I, I was going to say, I look at it as a competitive sport, yeah. which is how do you become the best meditator? Uh-huh. Uh, and then you're doing it wrong. That's right. the only way to do it wrong. Exactly. But yeah. of course, that's the question I'm asking. Like, yeah. how do you really excel at this? How do you know you're doing it right? How do you get better at it? Uh, and I'm not sure I'm any good at it, but I just, like I said, and I can't tell you what the benefit is. I just know I look forward to it. Do you feel more comfortable with silence now? Do you feel like you, do you feel as it made you like more emotionally open? I look forward to silence because I don't have any in my right. life. Uh, I look or forward stillness, to, I guess. Uh, stillness, I look forward to it. Once again, yeah. because I really don't have any. You know, yeah. I go home and there's nine million things to do. I right. come here and there's nine million things to do. You know, even when I get in the car, unless I'm in the car after seven o'clock, there's phone calls uh, to be made. There's phone calls to be made. Yeah. Uh, and then even even then, sometimes it's just a place to catch up or listen to s some music that you haven't heard, whatever it is. Yeah. There's no stillness there. Yeah. Um, so I think I just look forward to the stillness, which is something that I guess I didn't realize until now I was lacking. Do you, uh, similarly, because this is, I think, I think we all go through, but so much of your uh, life in business is on your phone. Do you feel like, do you go to that too much? My phone? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It, it, it's awful. I, I mean, I, for a while I was putting it down on Sundays, mm -hmm. um, but we all have that stupid habit of just looking down at our phones too much. And Yeah. Um, it, I, I, days where I force myself not to use it, I'm actually really happy. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the, like, you know, every year we get screeners for whatever, every movie, mm -hmm. and I never watch them. I just give them away. So when I want to see them in the theater, A, because right. it's my favorite thing to right. do, but B, it's the only time, like, in my life that I don't look at my phone. But I can't get there. I yeah. Can, and now I just can't get there, like, you know, dying to see Avengers with my son who wants to see it. I saw it for it, a second it, time yesterday. It's it, very it, fun. It's been a month and, yeah. and we haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's just not the way life works right now. And as much as I really would love to see it, look, I still haven't seen Green Book, which... Oh. I'd say see Avengers first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's just, it's hard. Yeah. It's just lack of time. Yeah, but I think that's the part of the thing. I think so much of that is, I think, is like the stillness shit. Because like, even when I'm like watching something at home, we were talking, I was mentioning Fleabag and like was so compelled by that yeah. and so invested. But still, like if it buzzed or anything, I still looked at it. And even if it didn't buzz, I still looked at it. Like, right. What am I doing? I right. have something that I'm really enjoying. Why yeah. am I like, why can't I just be in this one moment? Yeah. Why do I need six screens to keep me occupied? And we all do. And, and you know, you'll be sitting there playing some stupid game or looking at an email or mm -hmm. reading Deadline or looking at ESPN or whatever it is. And, and that world where we're programmed to do multiple things and multitask takes us out of the moment of what's the task at hand. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really bad at it. I mean, you'll have a conversation with people while you're looking at your phone and doing six different things. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite habit. Is that harder with a family? Do you find like, when you were like with your kids, is it like easy, like I'm gonna shut this out to some degree? To some degree, but you know, it's the way they're all growing up right. as well. I mean, right. you know, their form of communication, you used to spend hours on the phone with your friends. Yeah, you know, I used you, to fall asleep like on, we like just playing video games or watching the same show and right. fall asleep on the phone. Right, Yeah. you know, that's not what they're doing. Nope. They're, they're falling asleep snapping with their friends or they, you know, they're, they're keeping their streaks alive at night yeah. before they go to sleep. Their streaks alive? They, I don't they, even know what that is. Streaks, streaks are where you have a group of people that every day you snap them. Oh shit. And you know, they all have streaks and they all, you know, have a group of people that they have streaks with and they all count how many days that this, those streaks are going and you know, the worst thing I can do is take my kids phone away from them for some reason and then they break their streak. They're uh, like Cal Ripkins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's nuts. That's what it is. The Cal ripping of snapping. Yeah. Uh, That's crazy. So it's a different form of communication than you and I grew up with, right. but that's part of their lives. So there those things are just glued to them. Yeah. Um, but you got to find enough time and activity to get away from it, whatever, you know, you try to have a no phone rule at, at dinner, but yeah. even dinner becomes something different because I get home late, they've got practice, they've got homework, right. they've got some school activity. So you try to do it as much as you can, but you know, it's different than how I grew up and sure how different right. than how you grew up. Um, you talked about like your mom and there's, this is a thing, uh, that I've, thought about a lot in terms of like um you know there's like a natural order to that right mm -hmm. 80 years old still probably too soon maybe but it's a good life that's a good solid life and it's also like the natural order like well okay this is the level between me and the and the abyss right and that's the way it's supposed to work but you've also like lost peers is that like a wildly different experience there are two that that really were um wildly different experiences right. too that, that that stick one was my best friend who i was born 12 days apart from oh, wow. um, who was a stand-up comic uh and we took really different paths he had a really decent run out here the first deal i ever made as an agent was for him to be a writer on their cineo hall show that's cool and um you know he loved the life of being a comic he loved the hour a day he loved the travel he loved in the hotel he loved living in a hotel room he loved getting stoned uh, and we never, and I would have knockdown, drag out fights with him about, you know, look, you should use the momentum and the relationships you have and, and be on staff and television shows and, yeah, he wanted sure. to write, and he wanted to write features, which he wasn't selling. Right. And so probably for the last three years, I mean, like really I had the, the mentality of somebody who knows the business and knows how to move a career forward. And he didn't want to hear what I had to say. And it just brought us at an impasse. And. I knew one day it wasn't going to end well for him, and, and he died at, at, you know, I think probably five years ago, he died at 50, yeah. um, and that was, that was, that one was rough, uh, and still is rough. Uh, and then the other one was Farley, who, you know, I 
no surprise that he died, but right. that was, you know, he was 33, so I was 35 maybe. Um, and that, that was, uh, you know, probably a little younger than that. But um, yeah, that was, that was, that was rough to watch as well. So those are probably the only two people, peer-wise, right. who, who passed away too soon. But, you know, look, I look at it, there's no guarantee in any of this shit. Oh, yeah, it's all brain. You know, you know that from, mm-hmm. from, from your own health crisis. Yeah. I mean, look, look at you, you weighed like, you know, 17 pounds when I first met you. Uh, 16. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, a, a you, stiff wind, and yeah, I was gone. You look like a completely different person now yeah. than when I first met you. Um, so, once again, what do you do? You just enjoy every minute of it, keep right. moving forward. Uh, you know, I always look at my life and go, what are those moments in time? What are those, what are those defining moments? So I can, I can point to the three or four defining moments in my life, but one of them was when I, I was married for a year when I was like 25, mm-hmm. and I just knew I wasn't happy, and I went, okay, I have to get out of here over the holidays, and I'm going to go to Africa, and I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, shit. Like, now, I never climbed anything in my life. Yeah. Um, but what a cathartic thing to do. And I just felt like the need to get as far away as possible and do that. And then that started a 10-year, 15-year journey of just mountain climbing once a year. Like, really? You know, go to Rainier Mountaineer Institute or go to Iran and go mountain climbing or go to Mexico with friends and go mountain climbing. And that was sort of another period of discovery of just sort of and that opened my world up to things that you know being a jewish kid from long island i was never doing growing mm-hmm. up uh so are we talking like carabiners and shit or are we talking yeah, hiking? Whole, we're, we're, really? talking, we're talking high alpine mountaineering crampons ice axe jesus carabiners you know the whole thing ice wall climbing it was fun um when i had kids i sort of stopped the need to do it because it's terrifying <laughs> it's not terrifying no? I, I love it but it's just you know the stakes get higher yeah your life matters more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just look at it like just put it all out there. Like whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, do your put your whole self into it. Discover new stuff. Like you know, I only want to go places I haven't been. Uh, I don't want to. I don't really care what I eat anymore. You know, I used to care about like let's go for a great meal. It's like I've eaten enough great meals. Right. Like, like, what's the experience? What's right. like somebody said to me the other day, "What do you like to spend your money on?" And I'm like. I don't buy it. Look at me. I don't buy a mm-hmm. thing, but I, I'll pay for experiences. Yeah. Um, because to me, that's what this all is because there's no guarantee when it all ends. So you might as well do cool, you know, as many different things as you can while you're here. Was that something that was short up when you talked about like what a separation at 25 and, you know, losing a very close friend at 33 or 34. Did, is that, did that like kind of shine a light on that and like galvanize that belief or is that the way you've always been wired? No, I wasn't wired that way at all. I mean, I was as, you know, I had as much of a middle-class upbringing as anybody with, you know, adventure was going to Florida at spring break. Sure. Uh, like that was it. So somewhere along the line, I think if I had stayed in New York, you know, what would your life be if you stayed in Pittsburgh? It'd be smaller. It'd be much smaller. It would be... Would you have had the same or as many experiences no. that you've had? I mean, you know, I, if I would have had to be much more proactive. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had like the kind of more... Uh, I don't know, um, salacious or like kind of uh, the c- celluloid, mm-hmm. you know, like because I was when I was 22, I was writing for magazines and mm-hmm. went to like all these charity, I did this charity section. So I go like all these charity events and like went to like a, a show where Stevie Wonder performed for like 60 people. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I like didn't have any business being there, but right. like so that shit wouldn't have happened. Right. Those things were not really a facet but of But when my you life. get exposed to those things, you want more. 
For sure. You know, you can't go back. No. You can't go back to sort of... The toothpaste the, is out of the tube. Right. Yeah. And and so I think moving out here for so many of us has, has opened our world to things that are unimaginable when you're growing up in Pittsburgh or you're growing up on Long Island. And yeah. then the question is, do you want more and how much do you want to pursue those things? Yeah. I mean, I think... Um, I think that's the whole reason. I'm, I'm when I came, the first time I was in LA was the day I moved here. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't know what I was getting into. Did you into. know anyone or just people from school? I knew people from school. Uh-huh. And that's it. I mean there was a ton of us, right. but I didn't know anyone. I just knew that like I wanted something bigger. Right. Cuz I even came out here as like an actor, so I didn't I didn't even know what that meant really. I just knew that I wanted something bigger than And we were an offer. agent and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, I got I got hip pocketed Endeavor uh, two months after I by moved. who and how uh, Dana Salston. There uh-huh. was a she was an assistant that she became the voiceover. Right. And uh, I Emerson. It was the first year they did like a um, showcase, mm-hmm. and it was a showcase, but it was all all the BFA kids. They couldn't leave right. Austin as part of the program, which is like very fucked up thing. Mm-hmm. They don't give them any on trained any world. So it was just like me and a bunch of kids who weren't really actors. So, like, I don't know how good I was, but I stood out. And did you book anything? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did a ton of commercials, and mm-hmm. I did a bunch of, like, I did a bad zombie movie and mm-hmm. a couple, like, guest stars here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, really, like, at 23, I started getting sick. And I, you know, I just couldn't rely on my body. So I could always sit on a couch and write. Right. And that's, like, when Dan and I started, like, doing more and more shit. Because we got to the place where it was, like, you know, used to get scripts and be like ooh I really hope I get to be in this piece of shit Mm -hmm. and it was just like well I can at least write a piece of shit like this (laughs) I can write something this bad right Um, so that's like how that that world started Mm -hmm. that's how the momentum started and was it a conscious decision to say okay I'm no longer an actor and I'm a writer now was there Um, a moment in time where you changed the definition of who you were I think a little bit I don't don't know if it was ever it was not like a a switch being flipped Mm -hmm. but I think it was just more like well I'm getting momentum here and there was also there, I was so sick for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I've told this story on this before, but there was one point in time where I was in a commercial for like, um, uh, like a, it was called Philips Colon Health. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, like a bunch of probiotics. Right. Were you the before or the after? It was, there was like a, they had like a, um, like a Chester cheetah. They had like a woman who right. was like their, their spokeswoman, their flow. And the whole commercial was like everybody, how they, on this one elevator, how they'd benefit. And they had like all chirons and I had the illustrious role of being diarrhea elevator guy, mm-hmm. which that's what you want to be. Yeah. Um, so I spent all day being diarrhea elevator guy for this commercial. And then I came home and I was just taking the elevator up to my apartment. I shit myself. And I was like, this is, this is not sustainable. You were a method actor. Yeah, it was very method. Uh-huh. It was very, very method. Uh-huh. But that was, um, I think that was just a little bit like, oh, this is, I can't maintain this world. Really. Right. And I still like wanted to do it, but I was like, well, this other thing is still like scratching the itch. And also, I remember when I first moved out here, when people would ask what you do, I'd always say a writer because I thought mm-hmm. like, oh, actors are dumb and they're a dime. So you just didn't want to be another actor in LA, unemployed actor. Yeah. And even though right. I was like mostly an unemployed writer, I still wrote for these magazines. So I could say like, I'm actually getting paid to what do this. What magazines were you writing for? Like LA Confidential and I did uh-huh. LA Times sometimes. And I did right. this art magazine. and All freelance? Yeah, I mean, I, I edited a section, right. and I edited a section for the LA Times for a while, but, you know, those were not salaried, they were still freelance, but right. it was like, I had, a, you know, a place to put my flagpole in, at least. Right. But, so that was like the thing when you moved out here, was you, that expanded your world just because you wanted to be out here, or was it like this, this you know, the garbage shit that you went through, that's the thing that, like, jettisoned you to like, I, I need to do something much bigger with Kilimanjaro. I mean, that was that, was that moment in time. 
that was a defining moment for me. Uh, but I think it was I think it was coming out here because if you look at okay if I stayed in New York what would I be doing I don't know I'd be a lawyer somewhere mm -hmm. I'd be an accountant I'd be I don't know what I'd be I certainly wouldn't have taken the chances I took coming out here right um, but this is what I always wanted to do so I just pursued it really from what age did you know like I, I had an uncle in the business who who worked in business affairs mm -hmm. uh, and I would come out here every Christmas to see him and, mm. and I'd walk around. Lots like you yeah. worked on the Fox lot, and I would just go to work there. We worked in what is now the Warner Brothers lot, which at the time I think was the Columbia lot. Uh, and I would just walk around, and I would like. And by the way, I still feel that way. Yeah. Every day I fucking pull on this lot. It's very cool. Like it's just like look where we work. Yeah. Like, you know, I look out this window here, and I'm like, that's the Goldberg stage. Yeah. Um, and I, I there's not a day that I don't get a thrill out of that. There's a, not a day that I don't pull into this lot, and the gate opens up, and I'm like, I. Fucking work here. Is that difficult because you've had a pretty illustrious career? You've been doing it for a long time. You did a bunch of shit as an agent. You've done a bunch of shit as a producer. Is that difficult to maintain that perspective? Because I, I mean, I, like I, I get, I become like a jaded shitbag sometimes, and yeah, I've been not I, doing I'll it. Tell you, well. Yesterday was one of the great days ever mm -hmm. because you know they did all in the family yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that is one of the reasons that I sit here. I can remember as a like you know four-year-old or whatever, how old, or old I was at the time, watching that show with my grandfather. Right. Uh, you know, he was sick, I don't know, whatever, whatever I was. Um, and so that show had such an impact on me, and I went and saw one of the run-throughs, mm -hmm. but it wasn't watching the show that was amazing, it was looking at the set. Right. You know, just seeing that iconic set there. So I said to John Spector yesterday, I was like, who was, who was really intimately involved with that, just let me know when I can come over and take a picture. Mm -hmm. So for me to have like a picture sitting in Archie Bunker's chair, that's very like, cool. There's stuff like that still matters to me. Yeah. Like, and I think if you take that stuff for granted, or the first day, you know, when we first walked on the indebted set, mm -hmm. and you look and you sit there with you know your production designer, and you kind of have some thoughts, and you walk on there, and it's better than you ever imagined because you're working with really skilled people. That stuff's still great, and if right. it stops being great, then you better be doing something else. Yeah, I think so. If you're not, I mean, I think I've often said like, if you do any job for long enough, even if it's your dream job, it becomes a job. Yeah. But the important part is to have that perspective to recognize like, oh fuck, still so lucky. Dude, I wear a t-shirt and a fucking yeah. pair of jeans every day. You have more. You're more adverse to suits than I think anybody I know. <laughs> I wore it in New York. I know. I was the fir first and only time I think I'll probably ever see it. Uh, but. It's like, what's better? Like, it's, there's nothing better than this. If you yeah. don't appreciate the fact that you get to walk on whatever lot you get to walk on or whatever writer's room you get to sit in or whatever, you know, what did we do for the last couple of months? We sat in windowless rooms, mm -hmm. eating shitty food, mm -hmm. watching the same scene over and over. For 12, 13 hours a day. And mm -hmm. it's the greatest. It really is. <laughs> like that's, we get paid to do make ups Right. Yeah. So if, if it ever changes, I'll go do something else, but I still feel that every time I get to do this. You know, maybe you don't get the same thing on the 143rd episode that you right. do on the, on the pilot, um, but it's still awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I years ago when I worked for one of those magazines, I interviewed uh, Harold Ramis, mm -hmm. and he told me that like he was he couldn't remember which one, but under one of the stages, if you pull up the floorboards, the mm -hmm. yellow brick road's still there. Oh come on! Yeah, and really? I was like, we're yeah. gonna have to go on a little field trip. I know, and I was like, I, he couldn't remember which one. He's like, I'll right. look into it. And he never got back to me, but I was like, that's amazing. Right. That like somewhere we'll, here, we'll ask Kevin Hudson. He will know if that's true yeah. or not. 
it's, I mean, I, I hope it is. Yeah, Maybe me too. I, I, I have to go see it. You know, there's a basement in this building that's the creepiest place really? in the world, here in the Judy Garland building. You don't want to go down there. It's it's And lore is, and I don't know if it's true or not, is that there's tunnels underneath the, the really? lot. Yeah, that this whole lot has tunnels underneath, and there's stories that it goes from, like, the Thalberg building oh, sure. to dressing rooms, and that that was... Uh, who knows if it's true or not, but if it is, I, I want to see them. Kinda. Yeah. Because by the way, I've walked every inch of this lot there is to walk at yeah. this point. We all have. Yeah. You spend uh, enough time here, you see every nook and cranny. Right. There was a, a, the, I think, I've never, I'm pretty sure it was true. It was one over the one next door, the lot, the, the soundstage we shot on Community was where they shot the, um, the dance sequence in, um, um, uh, fuck, the Jimmy Stewart. Uh, me, no, the yeah. Christmas movie. Oh, okay. Wonderful, Wonderful, Wonderful Life. Life. The, the where they dance in the pool right. opens. Oh yeah, sure. That that was on that soundstage, right. and that well, like blew my mind. One of the things they have at Warner Brothers, which I don't understand why they don't do it here, is they have plaques yes. for everything that they do at Paramount too. I, I don't even understand why it's not here. Yeah, like that's to me like each one of these stages is just history. This has been here for a hundred years. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, we should get that to happen. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for the people who? We've talked about a lot of things like uh, just keep on moving through adversity mm -hmm. and then I think mostly like perspective, right? So what is your advice for somebody who, who you, you feel like who's looking for more stillness or looking for ways to process uh, a bunch of garbage? I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that. I think everybody has to do what's right for them. Qualified for, for whatever you've done, whatever you've been through. I mean, we're all for, qualified for, for, for our for experience. Me, for, I can only speak from my own experience. Of and, course. And you know, for me, it's the things I said. Um, you know, find that thing that's outside of this that that is going to give you enjoyment, whatever that is. Find mm -hmm. that thing for you. You know, I always say like I define my life for myself as an hour a day, and that hour is usually going for a run at five in the morning or, right. or whatever, but you gotta find something in your life that takes you away from all of this, even if just for a little bit so you can breathe. Right. Um, but not a, not a lot, uh, but whatever that is, it's whether you wanna take a painting class, or right. whether you wanna, you know, for me when I was younger it was playing basketball, but even that became a way to meet people in the business. So many right. people that I know now I met because I was playing in weekly basketball games right. with them. And I've played poker now for 15, 16 years with the same group of guys um, most Thursday nights. But you know they're all in the business, they're right. all like people that I want to hang out with. So it all kind of becomes incestuous and all-encompassing. Sure. I mean, how many friends do you have living out here now that aren't in the business? Like three. Right. Yeah. This is actually a follow-up question. So, like with like Farley or your buddy who you know passed a few years ago, or even your mom, do you like give yourself like the time to like almost like shiva or awake? Like I'm going to sit in this for a minute mm -hmm. or for a week or a month or whatever it is, and then and then it's all about moving forward. Do you take any of that, or is it just as soon as it's done, you're just moving forward? No, nah, I mean that that's too simplistic. Uh, I think the answer is is probably lies in time. Right. Um, so the sort of more you distance from it, as I'm sure is when with your mother, mm -hmm. um, the more it becomes less painful, but it's still always with you. Right. You know, does a day it's, go by? It's a scar. Does a day go by that you don't think of your mother in some yeah. in some way? Just even if it's just a thought mm -hmm. or a moment, or 
an acknowledgement or an internal dialogue, whatever that is, or feeling like something's missing. Yeah. So it's always there. Yeah, in some, in some way, but not in a way that it's it's crippling or debilitating. No, of course not. Uh, but I, I think those things for most people are always there, uh, especially with people you cared about. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, man. I think we gotta we got to get plaques up in this place. And we we also do. We, find, need, we need plaques on the stage. And we got to find the Yellow Brick Road. That would be awesome. That we have to discover the Yellow Brick Road. That we actually have to do. Because if we can pull up a floorboard and the Yellow Brick yeah. Road is there... Yeah, that's like a that's amazing. Yeah, that's a find. Everybody would be grateful for that. Right, it's better than the Seinfeld set, Uh, which is also pretty cool. That was pretty cool, although pretty disappointing in finding out that how small it was and nothing was actually real. Oh, so tiny. Yeah, I mean it was fun to for just a picture, but no, it's not the real thing. Right, was it the real Archie Bunker chair? No, because that's in the Smithsonian. They basically said if they pulled it out of there, it would turn to dust. Sure. I asked somebody, but uh-huh. supposedly everything was an exact replica, like down to the greatest detail wow. of exactly what that set looked like. So it was like walking into a time machine. That's nuts. And and in talking to um, to Don Spector, who's you know from Sony, his first job was a PA on All in the Family. Really? Yeah. So Fuck. for him, how surreal is that? That you know, however many years later, you're producing that show. That's nuts. Like that's crazy. That's very cool. Right. And that's, you know, that's what this, that's why you do it. Yeah. You drive into the rainbow every day. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you, man. That was fun. I really appreciate thank it, you. buddy. All right. We'll get that, uh, those plaques. And we're done. There it is. Another episode of Terribly Funny. Huh? That was a good time. Thank you so much, Doug, for taking time out of your very busy schedule. I know you're a busy man, as you said. Uh, I had a great time sitting with you in your beautiful office. Uh, Thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate it. Uh, I don't need to pitch this man, but I will say watch all four of his shows that are going to be on the air next year. Uh, The Goldberg School. Indebted. Definitely watch that because I'll be working on it. And uh, for life. Uh, Thank you so much, Doug. Greatly appreciate it, sir. Also, a couple other thank yous. Thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for art and music. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes that I am incapable of doing. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, also, you know, uh, like always, the biggest thanks goes to you guys. Thank you for welcoming, welcome, welcoming me. Enunciate, Basilone. Here we go. Thank you for welcoming me. There, I nailed it. Into your earbuds, into your uh, Beats headphones, into your car stereo, and uh, just listen to me talking to some buds. I appreciate it. You guys are wonderful, and I hope you have... A great week. I love you.